Merry Christmas again. I'll say it so you can hear me. And uh, Merry Christmas online. If you have your Bibles, I'd like you to open them and turn to the book of Isaiah and chapter 11. This morning, I will be reading to you from verses 1 through 10. 1 through 9 will be on the screen, but I will read to you including verse 10. If you don't have a Bible, there's pew Bibles in the seat in front of you as well. So please turn and open God's word. Isaiah 11, verse 1. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse, and from his roots a branch will bear fruit. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The Spirit of wisdom and of understanding. The Spirit of counsel and of might. The Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. But with righteousness he will judge the needy and justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips. He will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. The wolf will lie with the lamb, and the leopard will lie down with the goat, and the calf, and the lion, and the yearling together, and a child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear, and the young will lie down together, and the lion will eat the straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den, and the young child will put its hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And in that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples and the nations will rally to him and his place of rest will be glorious. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So let's keep our Bibles open then to Isaiah chapter 11. I want you to picture in your mind, in your mind's eye, um, a vast, lush, and full of life forest. Do you have it in your mind's eye? Looks good, doesn't it? Now, suddenly... No tree is left standing, completely leveled. You're looking at clear-cut logging. The field before you is nothing more than ugly stumps. Look at the end of chapter 10 of Isaiah. I hope you've kept your Bibles open to Isaiah. At the end of chapter 10, Before the prophecy is given in chapter 11, we read these words in verse 33. See the Lord, the Lord Almighty will lop off the boughs with great power. The lofty trees will be felled. The tall ones will be brought low. He will cut down the forest thickets with an axe. 
Lebanon will fall before the mighty one. What I asked you to picture in your mind is exactly what Isaiah says here in verse 33 and 34 of chapter 10. About six years ago at Pleasant Bay Bible Camp, uh, the camp hired a logging com- company to come in and to cut down the remaining ash trees that were still standing there that had not yet been infested with the ash borer beetle. And so a number of trees on every lot at Pleasant Bay were marked. The goal, the idea was, is that the camp could harvest the wood uh, before the ash borer beetle destroyed the wood, and so the camp would reap some financial benefit from doing so. We had on our lot about 16 ash trees, and about 10 of them were taken down. And when we arrived in the spring, in the early part of the summer, we had in our mind all these trees that had surrounded our cottage and given beautiful, beautiful shade. And all that was there were stumps, stumps. And to me, it felt as though the land had been raped. That's the picture we have here at the end of chapter 10. The imagery is jarring. It's almost as though Isaiah should have put here in these these words, viewer discretion advised. God here is describing the nation of Assyria. And Assyria, for a period of time, had been the axe in God's hand, the, the saw that God had used to cut down Israel and to cut down Judah in judgment. But now, it is Assyria itself the nation that God had used as a a horrific axe. It is now Assyria itself that is felled. And the picture here is one of the pillaging of the land, the pillaging of the nations. The stumps are all that's left. They have been felled and leveled, burnt and uprooted. What we have in front of us is a field of absolute devastation. And if I could just pause for a moment and and just sort of jump out of this text, if I might say this today, I think this is a poignant reminder to us that you and I should never despair, never despair by the horrific shocks that come in history. Because we know that a day is coming when the Lord God Almighty himself will stop the blood-spilling blitzkrieg of history dead in its tracks. Amen. He will cut down every injustice, every broken treaty, every national rape will be addressed. And all the evils that stem from the arrogant boasts of of men who say things like, I will force the world into a shape more of my liking, no matter the cost to you, will finally end. Hitler called it Lebensraum. Putin calls it denazification. But behind all of their deceptive verbal gymnastics of their justifications, God sees human pride as the barrier to the world as it should be. And God will always step in in history and cut the evil, proudful boasts of men to the ground. God swings his axe. That's the picture at the end of chapter 10. 
Evil is cut down. There are no branches left. There are no birds in the, in the branches of the tree. There is no life. There's no movement. There is no sound. The world is dead. And from this picture that I hope you have in your mind's eye today comes a prophecy, a word of hope. Here it is, chapter 11, verse 1. Look at what he says. A shoot, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. I mentioned the ash trees at Pleasant Bay Camp, and what astounded me was that by the end of the summer, all of those 10 ash trees that had been cut to the ground with just stumps left, all of them had incredible shoots that had shot up out of the stumps, numerous shoots. And today, some of them are 15 feet high. This is what Isaiah sees here. He sees a shoot that comes up from the stump, the stump of Jesse. Jesse is the father of King David. This is the dynasty of David. This is the family line of David from whom the Christ comes, Jesus of Nazareth. And here we see that the promise that, that, that God made to David that someone would ultimately sit on his throne and rule the world forever in righteousness, that that promise was not nullified by God cutting the tree down. But at a future time, unknown to Isaiah when he wrote these words, God would fulfill the promise that he made. Isaiah was looking forward into the future, perhaps not understanding everything that he saw, but realizing that there was some hope here that there would come a descendant of David who would change the world. And in verses 2 through 10, the description of that change is given to us here. And Isaiah sees some incredible things, and, and what he sees is, and we've talked about this before, when the prophets had a vision of the future, they would see certain things, and to them it all looked as though they happened together. But like us looking at a mountain range where you look out and you, 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 initially you think it's one mountain that you're seeing, but as you get closer to that mountain range, you realize that there's a peak and then a plateau and a valley and then another peak, another plateau, and then a valley that follows that. And so what is seen by the prophet as one thing is actually a series of events that describe things right into the future. There are four things that Isaiah sees here Four things about this Christmas promise that is given here. And the first is found in verse 1. This branch, this shoot, he will bear fruit, it says. The branch will bear fruit. Now clearly, as we look back on this now, we understand that this is Jesus. That Isaiah was seeing a little boy born in obscurity. And this little boy had no status except for the lineage of a failed ancient dynasty. But Isaiah sees that he has more than just a royal lineage. Verse 2, the spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of power, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. And we are reminded immediately of the baptism of Jesus. You remember as he went under the water, as he came up out of the water, the Spirit of God descended on him. 
And the, 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 uh, the, the, the baptizer named John said, said this, I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. I would not have known him except that the one who sent me, God the Father, sent me to, who sent me to baptize with water, told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain, he is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. And you remember the words of John when he said, I baptize you with water, but the one coming after me will baptize you with the Holy Spirit? It's as though John was saying, you think that my baptism in water is a life-changing experience, and so it was because it was a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Those who were baptized by John experienced a revolutionary thing in their hearts because they were coming with repentant hearts before God. But John is saying, if you think my baptism changes things, wait till you meet the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. Because when the Holy Spirit comes upon a man or a woman, the Holy Spirit completely changes that individual from the inside out he makes them a new creation. And isn't it interesting in the Christmas story in Luke chapter 1 and Luke chapter 2 as we have these various stories of Zechariah and Elizabeth and of Joseph and of Mary and of Mary and Joseph going into the temple to see Anna and Simeon there that there is reference in the Gospel of Luke to the activity of the Holy Spirit. And there's so much in Luke chapter 1 and 2 about the Holy Spirit coming on Zechariah, the Holy Spirit filling Elizabeth, the Holy Spirit Spirit revealing to Simeon what this who this child was and what would happen to this child and the significance of the child himself. There's this incredible activity of the Holy Spirit and it's all pointing to the truth that this child will have a spirit anointed ministry. And through the ministry of the Lord Jesus there was the beginning of a new creation, the fixing of the world. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. Jesus would be well supplied. He would be given everything he needed to fulfill the mission that the Father had given to him. And so from a stump comes a shoot. And upon the shoot comes the Spirit. And Jesus was totally equipped to rescue the world and to fill the earth with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. He is the only one who can rescue creation from the suppression of the knowledge of God throughout the world. And I would challenge you over this Christmas season to, to read again the stories in the, in the, in the Gospel of John, in all of the, the, the Gospels, of how Jesus meets individuals and completely changes them and makes them into new creations by the power of the Spirit. He will bear fruit, is what Isaiah saw. Number two, he will judge the world in righteousness. Now notice this word about the judgment that Jesus brings begins in the third verse. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. In other words, the judgment of Jesus would be based on truth, not the opinions of men. The judgment of Jesus will be impartial. It will be free of all human prejudice. And don't we see this in the life of the Lord Jesus himself? 
how Jesus dealt with people, how he cared for people, how the most sinful of people, he did not judge simply by what he saw or by what he heard. I keep thinking, whenever I read this verse, I think of that incredible speech that Martin Luther King Jr. gave in Washington in 1962. You remember his I Have a Dream speech? I have a dream that a day will come, he said, when, when, when a man will not be judged by the, by the color of his skin, but by the content of his character. A judgment in truth. And we see this in the ministry of the Lord Jesus, how, how he chose disciples to follow him who were men who would have been pushed aside as illegitimate to serve as prophets or priests of God. But Jesus chose fishermen to serve him and to follow him. We see it in the ministry of the Lord Jesus when the Pharisees brought this woman who was caught in the very act of adul 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 adultery and they, they brought her to the Lord Jesus. And you remember how Jesus spoke to them about casting the first stone. And the judgment of the Lord Jesus was very different by, by what he saw or heard. He looked into the heart of the woman and he changed the woman's life and gave his judgment on those who judged her. It's in, in, interesting because this verse, if you go down to verse 4, with righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. And the last line of verse 4, he will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. That is a verse that is found in Revelation by the Apostle John. And then this phrase, with the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked, is picked up by the Apostle Paul and is used in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 to describe what Jesus Christ will do to the final Antichrist. He will judge with righteousness. And those who refuse to receive his new creation work, they too will be judged. The earth will be purged of everything that destroys it. Number three, he will restore the world. And these are the verses that capture our attention immediately. These, this, this description here in verses 6 through 9 of a, of a wolf living with a lamb and a, a leopard lying down with a goat and, and, a, and, a, and a calf and a lion uh, and a little child leading them. The last thing you want to do is to have your, your, your little child lead a lion or a bear. The cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like an ox. The infant will play near the hole of a cobra, and the young child put his hand into the, into the viper's nest. Incredible imagery is used here. This is imagery that describes what God is going to do at the end. He's going to, he's going to restore the world. This is the Christmas hope. God restoring the world. Carnivores become herbivores. We have the, the restoration of nature itself. We have the lifting of the curse, the curse of death that is on our creation. And it's all summarized very well for us in verse 9. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain. For the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Friends, every square inch of this world will become the holy mountain of the Lord. Hallelujah. 
And the knowledge of the Lord is no longer going to be suppressed. But the knowledge of the Lord will permeate all of creation itself. As you know, I am a child of the 50s, which meant that I grew up in the 60s and the 70s, which also means, just on the side, that we had the best music ever. (laughs) But my generation, if there's anything that marked it, and, and you could hear it in the songs that came out during that period of time, the thing that that we longed for was a changed world, a revolution to change the world. We sang songs like Give Peace a Chance. And if I could paraphrase Joni Mitchell's song, we wanted to stop paving paradise and put up parking lots. But in my short life, I witnessed revolutions. My wife and I were in one when we were missionaries overseas. And these revolutions always promise something better. They always promise the lifting of oppression. They always promise some kind of liberation. But in the end, in the end, when you look at it and you see what actually happens, that sometimes something more oppressive gets put in its place. The words that Isaiah uses here are, they will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain. Hurt and destruction is what characterizes our world today. But here we read there will be no more hurt. No longer will anything be destroyed. Things like cancer and accidents and and COVID and and death, all of the hurting forces are gone. And the new creation will be restored, or the creation will be restored. And if there's anything these verses are telling us, is that the new creation will be safe. A child can stick his hand into the nest of a viper or a cobra, and the child will be safe. A child can, can lead a lion and a bear walking with them, and the child will be safe. Brothers and sisters in Jesus, this is the future glory that is coming to planet Earth. It is the future glory that we are going to enter. And we are given a glimpse of this glory when the star appeared over a manger in Bethlehem and when the resurrected Jesus on that first Easter had a new body unlike his previous body which succumbed to death. Jesus had an immortal newness. And this newness was witnessed by the apostles and others. What we saw in the resurrection of Jesus, what we see in the resurrection of Jesus is the future in advance. The future in advance. Put on public display for the world to see. And so the apostle Paul says that Jesus Christ is the firstborn of the new creation. Jesus has been raised by God to an immortal life, an immortal life that will renew the world. And so think about it. 
If the evil machinations of of King Herod could not kill the infant Jesus, and death's power could not keep Jesus in the grave, then what can stop Jesus now? The world will be restored. Think about this for just a moment. That the fullness of the kingdom of God is only one inch away. The fullness of this new creation is only one moment away. Because all that stands between the present world we live in and the future glory we will receive is the simple command of God himself to the Lord Jesus to return to this earth. All God has to do is to give the order and Jesus Christ will come to judge and to save and to rule. Number four, he will be a banner to the nations. Verse 10, in that day the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him and his place of rest will be glorious. The English Standard Version says that he will be a signal to the nations. Whether we use the word signal or banner, the idea is that of a flag, a flag that is lifted high. And this banner, this flag that is lifted high is, is, the, is the point that, that, that gathers the nations, that rallies them. Notice the words that are, that are used here. The nations will rally to him, meaning the nations will be drawn to him, to this flag, to this banner, to the Lord Jesus himself. He will draw them in. Jesus said in John chapter 12 in reference to his death, he said, when I am lifted up from the earth, a reference to the cross, when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people, meaning all the nations, to myself. The banner is Jesus. The banner is his cross. And interestingly, in Romans chapter 15, reference is made to, this, to the nations coming to the banner, rallying to him, being drawn in by him. And in Revelation chapter 9 and in Revelation chapter 22, at the end of time, we, have a, we, have a, we are given a vision of the future. And the vision of the future is that the glory and the honor of the nations are going to stream into the kingdom of God, into the eternal city, and they will walk in the light of the Lamb of God himself. An incredible vision. And it says here in this verse, and his place of rest will be glorious. Literally, his place of rest will be glory. Glory. Of course. The only word to describe it is glory because these are the people for whom he has died, his blood-bought people, and they come in and rally to him, and he will be with them forever. Let me share with you three very fast takeaway points. Number one, this Christmas, keep this in mind. Our mission is to gather the nations. I mentioned to you already that in Romans chapter 15, the Apostle Paul quotes this verse out of Isaiah 11. Isaiah 11, about the nations coming to the Lord. And the Apostle Paul saw his ministry as a fulfillment of this. The nations streaming, coming to the banner, Jesus Christ. 
And Jesus himself gave us the commission to make disciples of all nations, to baptize them in the, in the name of the triune God, and to teach them to observe everything he has commanded us. We are to disciple all the nations. Our mission is to gather the nations. Our mission is to work with our Lord Jesus Christ by the power of the Spirit that came upon him to gather the nations to the Lord Jesus Christ. And friends, we have talked about the last 100 years as being a time in which more Christians have died because of persecution than at any other time in the history of the church. But keep this in mind, in the last 100 years, more people around the world have come to faith in Jesus Christ than in the 1900 years that preceded it. We live in an incredible day. We are seeing this promise fulfilled in our day. And as we go into a new year, keep this in mind. This is our mission. Let me end with one final thought. I'll skip the second point and go to the final one. And that is our destiny is the glory of Jesus. What stands out to me as I read Isaiah 11 verses 1 through 10 is it actually spans the whole of his work of saving the world. It begins with him being born as a shoot, the Holy Spirit coming upon him at the beginning of his ministry, and it ends with the earth being filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord at the second coming of Christ. We have the whole of his work of salvation in these 11 verses. And keep this in mind, that when all the work of salvation is finally done, when God has gathered in all of his people, then Jesus will enter into his eternal rest. This will be his final home, and it will be called glory. In Revelation chapter 22, the last time Jesus speaks in that book, and the last reference he makes to himself he actually refers to this title. He says that he is the root and the offspring of David. Do you realize that? At the end of Revelation chapter 22, Jesus says something that's related to Isaiah chapter 11 because Jesus understood that this Isaiah 11 spans the whole of his work of salvation until the end of time. He is the root and the offspring of David of David. And so the summary then, the sum of, of all of the beauties of the person of our Lord Jesus can only be described in one word, glory. And the beauty of his work, the gathering in of the nations, the lifting of the curse, his creating a new heavens and a new earth where there will be no harm or destruction anymore can only be described in one word. And that word is glory. And all who come to him now, all who are drawn by the banner, all who rally to the banner, will find their home in his eternal rest. He, delighting in us, his people forever, and we, delighting in him, our Savior, forever and ever. Father, thank you for this incredible prophecy that was given to Isaiah, for the truth that it contains, for the hope that it gives to us. Thank you for our Lord Jesus, that shoot that came from the stump. 
Thank you for the ministry of the Holy Spirit upon him and through him, for all that he did in the Spirit's power, that he went about good, he went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the evil one because he was anointed by the Holy Spirit. And thank you, Lord, that he will one day restore our world and his new creation work will come into fruition so that the whole of the world will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. Lord, as we ponder these truths on Christmas Day, help us to enter a new year filled with this hope that will motivate us and encourage us to be true to our mission, to gather the nations under him, because only in him is their eternal life. We thank you this Christmas Day for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. To him be glory and praise. Amen. Next Sunday morning we meet again at 10. Don't come early at 9. Don't come late at 11. Please come at 10 o'clock as we have one service next week. We also want to make available to all of you our Seek Week prayer guide. Seek Week is coming up our first week of the new year. There are copies of these that are available at the back on the tables there. And this gives you a number of prayer requests that we can be praying through the week and praying throughout the year. And there's information about the meetings that will happen here at the church, and we'll give you more information about that next week. One copy per family, please. I want to close by reading from Romans chapter 15, which is where the Apostle Paul makes reference to Isaiah 11, and he concludes with a benediction right after that. Paul writes, and again Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will spring up, one who will arise to rule over the nations. The Gentiles will hope in him. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.